Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 70. Today, I'll be interviewing Connor Quinn and Mary Cortani, authors of the book, Four Paws, Two Feet, One Team. Connor is a veteran, having served nine years in the Army as a combat medic with two tours to Afghanistan. He holds an associate's degree in Spanish from Gallivan College and a bachelor's degree in health science from San Jose State University. In 2018, he took a job as a kennel technician at Operation Freedom Paws. He became inspired to write Four Paws, Two Feet, One Team after witnessing the incredible transformation of the veterans and the dogs in the program. Mary Cortani served in the U.S. Army from 1975 to 1984 as a certified Army Master of Canine Education instructor with over 40 years of experience as a dog trainer. She is the founder and executive director of Operation Freedom Paws in San Martin, California. Her work with Operation Freedom Paws has garnered a top 10 CNN Hero Award, Central Coast Jefferson Award, and the love and admiration of everyone she is empowered to restore their freedom to live life. So I'm really honored to have you both on today. And I'm really excited for you to talk about um, the organization Operation Freedom Paws and and the children's book. And I received it. And I really loved it. And I'm just really happy to have you on. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having us. We're honored to be here. Thank you very much. So the first, so I guess the my first question is to if you could give a little bit of a synopsis of the book um, and just little bit more about what inspired you to to write a children's book based on a story. Uh, so a, like a brief synopsis of the book is just uh, I took a kind of hodgepodge of the stories that I've witnessed here and kind of put it into one character. Um, so Mary has brought in a bunch of rescue dogs from where she they they've been found in the fields as puppies and then she's brought them in here and we helped raise the puppies um at operation freedom paws and transform those dogs into service dogs for veterans and then a whole bunch of uh, different people with different ailments so um just that transformation of the dog going from being rescued to being a rescuer of somebody was like the uh the motivation for writing this book. Um, uh, the reason I wanted to write this book is because uh, I've worked in uh, nonprofit fields for uh, since leaving the army and I've uh, done a lot of volunteer works. And I know there's a huge struggle to try to raise funds and raise awareness around um, the issues that we're, we're trying to face and trying to raise money for and awareness. And you need to, put that story out there for a a variety of different people. And I thought um, the best way to kind of tell the story was through a children's book, because not only does it raise awareness for um, families, uh, veterans, but it also gives the opportunity to teach kids um, how to act around service dogs, because 
Um, prior to working here, I was kind of ignorant of that fact because every time I see a dog, I just want to go up and pet them, regardless if they have a service vest or not. So there's a bunch of things that I felt like we could, um, you know, educate a bunch of different people on how to interact with service dogs and veterans issues as well. And at the same time, raise awareness about uh, a great nonprofit um, that's doing amazing things. Right. And so when Connor approached me about the book, um, <clears throat> it fit in with stuff that we do every day and have done for the last 11 and a half years. Part of what we do is to educate the public and we have gone to schools um, done presentations and talks anywhere from, you know, the grade schools to middle schools and even at high schools to bring awareness and worked with schools to set policies for kids with disabilities uh, when they're a certain age to bring that dog to school. So we're really honored, for example, that we have um, one of the very first uh, service dogs ever in a Long Island high school. Um, and we worked with the school, we flew out there, we helped them to set guidelines for the student body, um, educate the teachers, uh, how to be aware if the dog was alert, alerting for Stephen when he was in crisis. And, um, you know, watched him go from starting as a freshman all the way through high school and graduating to the point where he even became homecoming king. And wow. yeah, unfortunately it happened, you know, he graduated last year and COVID shut it down. So he didn't get all of the, the things that went along with it. But the fact that the entire student body voted him, you know, homecoming king uh, is just an amazing, amazing story and amazing journey. And he became social. He made friends, you know, other than in the, um, the special education um, classes. Um, so it's, it, and those are the kind of things that just motivate us besides educating about veterans issues and, you know, service dogs in general, uh, and educating, you know, kids and adults with regards to the do's and don'ts with service dogs, what the laws are, um, how to approach, how to ask, not to take it personal. But as Connor was writing the story, one of the things that was really important to me is it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not. Somewhere within us is our hidden talent. And so um, because of my background, I know that the dog's hidden talent is its nose. Um, and bringing that out in the book allows us to also remind kids to find their own superpowers, to find where their passions are, and to put those to good use. So it, it's kind of a win. Um, we collaborated on it and, um, you know, the, the outcome was just phenomenal to me. And then putting the piece in the back that was more about the explanation about the different types, right? Adding that into the kid's book. Um, and then we worked with a teacher here in California for, uh, you know, the elementary schools we actually have a class uh, program or a syllabus that um, meets California standards. And that's one of our goals is to try and eventually get it into the school system 
um, to see if they'll, uh, you know, get it out there to, to expand that education. Wow. I mean, that's, and I, I just, maybe this is a good time to go into my second question about the, about your organization, Operation Freedom Pause and just the origin, origin of it and all the different people that you help and maybe just a little bit about the, the training of the dogs. Sure. So our dogs are pulled out of rescues or shelters. Not every dog can be a service dog. Just like every individual um, has their own personality, their own strengths, their own talents. Um, so do dogs. Some dogs just want to be pet. They can't handle the work of being a service dog. And so they go through a 30-step evaluation to make sure that they'll fit into what we're going to ask them to do. And the range of disabilities that we cover with our program can be anything from epilepsy to diabetes to post-traumatic stress to military sexual trauma to traumatic brain injuries to physical mobility issues or a combination, right? 80% of what we do is with veterans. The other 20% is made up of kids, first responders, and then non-veterans. And our program is 48 weeks long. We take in match the dog with the person. We have a saying, you get the dog you need, not the dog you want. And they start this 48-week journey, and that's the minimum. We go at the pace of the person. Um, Sometimes it takes longer, but the minimum is a 48-week. But we don't just provide the service dog. We also have therapists to help work through um, any crisis that comes up, whether it's in class, out of class. So they're available you know, um, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We have a facility where they can come for safe space. Uh, We work with the families. We include the families in the program because there's something called secondary post-traumatic stress or the anxiety that goes along with having somebody who has a disability and caring for them. So that's the gist of the program. And we match the the needs of that person with the personality and abilities of the dog and pair them together so that they're successful. Wow, it sounds amazing. I mean, I think one of the things I really liked about the book was how you explained post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, explaining that all disabilities aren't something that you see, that um, it's invisible. You know, it's not something you could see, but the dogs could sense it. Um, So I just wanted to talk, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about that because I know you do a lot of work with veterans and just, I I wanted you to talk a little bit more about like, as far as like kind of when you were writing the book about um, choosing that and kind of thinking about how you wanted to explain it to kids, because I think that could be like a complicated subject. But I felt like the two of you did a really great job of explaining it in a way that kids could really understand. Well, the good news on that front, I had a lot of help. Uh, I had to bounce that idea off of uh, a lot of different people just to try to get it um, in, a, in a simple way. And I think if you can't explain something simple enough, then you're not explaining it well enough. Um, and to try to get that um on paper with pictures it's it's uh, i have a um our illustrator susan Sechi is amazing because um i think the illustrations really help yeah. with that explanation um 
with with veterans issues there there's um there's a lot of things that have historically not been talked about um and we're finally in a generation where we're coming to light and we're talking about these issues and and bringing them to um bringing them to the table and actually having the, the conversation and doing something about this and uh um i think that's why i was drawn to mary and her organization because the way she's confronting this is in a way that i think everybody can actually understand um or at least uh with with veterans like you can actually face up to um the issues that are, that are going on and you can actually you know get to the point where you're living your best life um yeah and i'll i'll, I'll add to that um to your point about invisible wounds right or invisible disabilities um folks have an understanding and even uh, some children and they struggle with it with regards to diabetes or epilepsy. And that's not something that you can see until, you know, the blood sugar levels are taken or the seizure actually occurs. Um, and because of that, that's a scent, right? And that's why dogs are able to detect the seizure before it happens or the blood sugar level changes the dogs know 60% of it is dedicated to the sense of smell, which it, it's an amazing gift. It's one of the numerous amazing gifts that they give us. And so your human body is made up of a whole lot of things. And if the dog knows your scent, what a normal scent is, um, when you're feeling good, they can tell the difference between your scent when your pain levels are high or the anxiety is going to come on or the flashback is going to come on and similar to how they detect the sugar levels. So conveying that message um, that what you don't see doesn't mean that that person is any less of a person, right? Um, is a really important thing that we try and do. Uh, the old adage, don't judge a book by its cover right, comes into play because you shouldn't judge a person by the fact that they're in a wheelchair or they're walking with a prosthetic or a cane or the fact that you don't see what's going on inside of them when they're having the anxiety. Um, but yet you see the result of the panic attack and them fleeing or something like that. So tying it together along with the issues that our veterans face, and they're not simple uh, in any way, shape, or form. Their, their wounds and disabilities become very complex, and the ripple effect going out to the family with the secondary effects of post-traumatic stress um, and them being a caregiver for the individual with the wound or the disability creates a whole nother set of complications. So, <coughs> excuse me, um, <coughs> putting it in simple terms for a child um, was something I think that was really important for both of us and highlighting that super secret power the dog's nose, right? Because the dog gives so much more, the unconditional love, mm -hmm. the 
best buddy, the companionship, the emotional support. But service dogs, you know, don't aren't an emotional support animal. They're very distinctively different. And being able to understand that in in simple terms. And I think to Connor's point, the old adage, keep it simple, right? Kiss um, is really important. Yeah, I just like the way that you highlighted for kids, you know, in the book about different ways that um, the dog was able to sense um, just about any sort of nightmares that came up, knowing that, you know, the dog went to comfort um, that particular character. And, you know, also working through uh, situations that could be anxiety provoking. And I think that um, showing that the support of the service dog that really understands that particular individual is just so important. And I think that, um, you know, the support of your organization, the service dogs, I feel like people could really conquer things, things that make them very, very anxious. Cause otherwise I would think they would just avoid the situations. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, with our veteran clients, one of the biggest hurdles that we face is when they come to us, they've pretty much lost hope. And um, this is their last chance um, to not take the step um, that would cause them to take their lives. And unfortunately, suicide is way too high within the veteran community and way too high within society in general. And mental health is not talked about nearly enough. So overcoming that hurdle and showing them that this is something that they can do and to take it one step at a time um, is really important because one foot in front of the other leads you to that, you know, block, that two blocks, getting them back out into society and doing things that we take for granted every day. There's a side note here that um, I've been talking about lately with COVID going on, the quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, folks are feeling the depression, the isolation. Um, and what I find with our clients going all the way back to the beginning is that those that were out there and living life to the best life that they could live are now struggling and thinking that they've, they've gone back into, you know, isolation and that, that there's nothing that they can do. And reminding them that this time it's not their choice, right? And that this at some point is going to end, but to keep the positive, to keep working with their dogs, to keep using the tools besides their dog, because the dog is an amazing tool, but you need other tools in your tool belt to be able to put it all together and be successful out in the world. And every one of them is very different. But my my thing is I try to look for a silver lining and I'm hoping that out of this comes the discussion of mental health for everyone and that we don't, you know, ignore it as much um, as we have in the past. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. So what's the best way of people learning about your organization? I mean, I wanted to mention operationfreedompause.org. Um, and I also want to mention your social media channels on Instagram. Like just, I love looking and just learning about the different stories and the families and the dogs. It just feels like it's, it's just a, I, I think it's such a wonderful organization to support. 
Um, well, thank you for that. So definitely our website, operationfreedompause.org. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, th- on the website, they can sign up for a newsletter that comes out about once every quarter. Uh, and along with that, signing up with the newsletter when we have events, we'll send out an email um, with regards to those events because we do not charge for anything that we do in the program. We rely on donations and our fundraisers um, and you know grants to uh, be able to provide all of the services that we provide. And um, we don't ask our clients to pay and we provide them everything that they need during the program from the dog to the medical for the dog, to food for the dog, the equipment. Uh, when we're not in COVID lockdown, we would go to restaurants or, uh, you know, go to a, a double A, triple A baseball game or something like that to show them that they can get out and live life. We have our family dog camps where we take the whole family up and we do dog training and fun activities, you know, and right now we can't do those things, but gas cards, food, you know, however we can help them to be successful and get through because a lot of our veterans are also fighting to get their benefits and to get their ratings um, just so that they can survive. So it costs us about $17,000 per dog team. And we're hoping that the book takes off um, so that it helps to bring in some of those additional funds. Because to Connor's point, it was a creative way to try and create another uh, stream of money to come in for the organization. And I think it did really well on Kickstarter. It, well, that's the the initial push, you know. Uh, all that money from Kickstarter really just meant went to actually setting the book up to actually become a, a reality. Right, right, exactly. But I think just the overall response to the book was so great, which I think gives um, really great hope to just people wanting to learn and read this book and Absolutely. learn about the organization. Um, so. So what, is there anything that you'd like to add before? Well, one of the things I do want to, I do want to see, where is the book available? It's available on the, the website, um, operationfreedompause.org, and then also on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Correct. So it, um, mascot, uh, books, who's mascot. The publi- mm-hmm. mascot Books, who's the publisher, um, it, we know that it's in the distributors, um, and hopefully this weekend, um, Barnes and Noble, our local stores will have it. If folks are in other areas outside of Santa Clara County, um, they just need to ask their Barnes and Noble to order it um, because they've changed their model a little bit that individual stores are ordering um, different books from the research that we've done. Um, it's in our local small um you know, non-box store, bookstore here locally, but we're trying to get it out there. So today it's available, Amazon, Target, Walmart online, and then um, Barnes & Noble here locally soon, Mascot and our website. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add before we finish up? Um, You know, just again, thank you so very much for having us on today. Uh, helping to educate about the issues, service dogs in general. Um, we're really glad that you liked the book. Um, you know, uh, 
we are uh, definitely biased. Um, we love the illustrations um, and are just blessed that um, Susan worked with us on it and captured what we were trying to get across. And I'm honored and I have to thank Connor for bringing the idea with and collaborating and um, making the story such a fun story. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to share it with with others. And when I received the book, I was immediately interested. I, I love any... I love any book that has that has a mission like this, and I think it. it you, you were saying stems from so many true stories and such a, such wonderful work that you're doing at the organization. So, um, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. 